fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Motor City Metrics here at TiresMLReport.com. I'm Royal Helio Castillo. Alongside me is John. Today, we're doing something a little different. And one of the things I like to do is if everybody who's listening to the podcast now for quite some time, I love talking history. I love talking. It's one of my, that's why I'm a member of Sabre because there's so much history to baseball. There's so much different unique angles that you can go with. And I think that baseball is one of those sports where you can approach it a hundred different ways and still find a hundred different results. It's it's it's, that's what's so great about the stats and joining me today is a gentleman by the name of Roger Yoder. So we have a fellow Roger on hand and his book is titled Detroit Tigers, Michigan's favorite sports team. And it is a, it's a really cool, it's all time 10, top 10 by production of players and pitchers and selections awards, all time teams, team lead team reviews. It is a book action packed with coverage of the Tigers, 574 pages. And uh, Roger's joined us via phone. Roger, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. And so one of the fr- first, one of the questions we ask our first time guests is, what is your earliest baseball memory? Uh, probably being a little league player back in the early 70s and beginning to watch the Tigers on TV and just getting to watch our hometown team and learning more about them. Yeah, and, and what's interesting too was in that dec- in that period of time too, you saw the transition from the '68 Tigers where they had McLean, and then you got traded to Washington. Of course, that big deal that kind of gave you a Rodeo Lopez Rodriguez and, and changed the franchise a little while. When you're when you were growing up on those teams and seeing like the rebuild, when I mean, you saw it with Rusty Staub, obviously too, uh, a Tiger who to me people know him for the Mets and Expos, but I I. Finally, remember him as a Tiger too. But of those Tigers teams in those in those early seventies, which Tiger to you personally was one of your favorites? Don Hiller was the one that sticks out for me. I, I just I, I liked him as a pitcher, as a player. I thought it was a cool cool story. And then to find out his history of having three heart attacks in the offseason in nineteen seventy and coming all the way back and and uh, pitching at the end of eighty two there for the Tigers as they made the stretch drive division crown and then in 83 he had one of the best years for a reliever in history yeah john hiller is a prime example that's a really good pullback there because in terms of john hiller what he was able to over overcome and still be a guy that sparky anderson well made one of the few guys that made a transition over to spark with sparky anderson too but as far as this book goes so roger how long did it take you to compile because this baseball stats are so Go on and on about them, but how long did it take you to to create this book? It took a little bit longer for this book. The first in the series, I'm doing one about the Yankees now, but this book, the initial book was the Tigers, and and that was the layout, the size, the font, the formatting, and and it just took a long time. It it took years to have your family life, kids in school, and as things would have it, I'm working in the community still. But now this is what I'm doing is writing about the baseball teams, uh, major league, like I say, the Yankees now. But it took a while, the first one, because you're laying out the format for the books to follow. And and one of the things about the format, and it's pretty, in terms of some of the stuff I was looking at on Facebook, and you can order the book, by the way. There's a couple ways to go about getting the book, and we'll get into that a little later. But one of the things I, I was, one of the stats I wanted to ask you about was most effective hitter, which is called, in other words, meh, and most effective pitcher, MEP. 
And so talk about the talk about the creation of those analytical eleva- elevation or evaluations because to to me for somebody that goes in stats every single day, what what makes them so different from anything else that's out there? What's generally followed today is war. And you, you got the old round war, you got offensive war, defensive war. And, and and that is what a lot of people follow. And there's nothing wrong with that. Except for if you're one of us that are into baseball, it's not easy to come up with that formula and follow it. So it's easy to, to do batting average. It gets into that balance. That's fairly simple. Uh, but I wanted to come up with a way that you could evaluate players very comprehensively. And so when I come up with this formula that includes 15 different individual statistics themselves, it includes things such as in-play percentage, how much, how many uh, player gets the ball in play from those he hits, run scoring percentage, such as the Rajai Davis was with the Tigers recently, how many times the, the player score gets on base. And so some, some players just have a knack for that. But the most effective hitter, that takes into a, a number of categories, whether it's run scoring, it's power, it's just the batting average. It takes the whole offensive game into consideration. I mean, you, you, there's always people trying to compare what's the best way, what's the best hitter. Is it the, the highest batting average? Is it the Is it a lot of different areas? And like you said, you could take stats a lot of different directions. But this I came up with, and then I applied it to the Tigers all-time statistics. Just those numbers that they had with Detroit. And then you can see how do the players shake out when you get to the end, players like Ty Cobb and uh, Miguel Cabrera in the top 10 and it speaks for itself that it's kind of on track and it's a good way to evaluate them. Somebody that, oh, go ahead, John, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just wondering the process of getting these numbers, like how long did it take? Was there a a certain way you were able to get all these numbers? Because this sounds like it was taking a pretty long time to do all this. Yeah, in some cases, uh, I had to create formulas. So that was the, the the most time consuming is the research, going through all the hitting logs year by year for all the hitters and, and the same thing, the pitching logs year by year for all the pitchers. And there's over 1,800 Tigers. So that was the most time consuming is just, just going through there player by player and then discovering hitting streaks and streaks they may have been on from two weeks or three weeks, so those kind of things. And just going through there, it's just... Uh, uh, just digging up the raw data and working with it. One of one of the stats that I that I liked was the top ten Tigers by home run average, home runs per six hundred at bats, and in terms of most effective hitter. And the top five, really, to some people who who just look at who look at stats and just a once over, maybe perhaps do a second glance here with Marcus Timms being the most effective, followed by Cecil Fielder, which makes sense. And people might have thought maybe Hank Greenberg would be number one, but I, w- I was somewhat surprised, but not really on Daryl Evans, who I think to me is one of the most, one of the greatest Tiger free agent signings of all time based off his production it, well into his 40s for Detroit. Yeah, three, you did it in both leagues. Yeah, you're facing different pitching, different approaches to the game. You have the DH in American League, which helped his case with the Tigers extend his career. But when you look at those home run statistics we're talking about, Marcus Thames, uh, I, I, I think Jim Leland just had a knack, right? uh, one to put players in. Sparky Anderson had a knack for that also. To use the, the, all of the whole roster, all the players on the bench, 
knowing when to get them in a game, when to get them in each week, knowing that the player needs a rest and I'm going to use this player. Marcus James is a player that when he was, when he was at, in the game, you could expect him to produce and he did have power, but he wasn't a player that you could run him out there for 162 games. That just wasn't his, his makeup, but he was a valuable member of the team. Yes. Are you saying that Marcus Thames is one of the most underrated Tigers of all time? There's definitely as far as his production level. When you put him in there, and he's definitely he's not he's not in there for for singles. So he he's in there for his power. And like I say, it was luckily he was able to produce. There were years when when that wasn't the case, but he had some very productive years off the bench, and that's kind of hard for a player to do. To be sitting there, it's one thing if you're Mel Cabrera or J.D. Martinez and you're in there game in, game out, you're Alan Trammell or, or a player like that. But when you're a red player and, and he knew his role and he was good at it, and to be ready to go at a moment's notice and, okay, you're going to play the next couple games or you're going to be in tomorrow or, and then you're going to be off three or four games or maybe just a pinch hitter. But he was definitely underrated in my opinion and uh, one of those unsung heroes of those good teams. We're talking to Roger Yoder, who wrote a book called Ultimate. It's a part of the Ultimate Baseball series, and it's called Detroit Tigers, Michigan's favorite sports team. You can find it on Facebook, Detroit Tigers book, or you just look for Roger Yoder on Facebook, and you'll be able to find it. And also, it's available on Amazon. And also, we'll we'll be giving out the information how to order the book on our on the podcast description and our YouTube description as well. One of those things too about in terms of pitching for the Tigers this is a to me historically I look at the Tigers as you look at almost they have had really you look at teams like for example the the Cardinals or Baltimore's always had consistently good pitching with the Tigers it seems like it was a, I want to say phase lack of phases if you maybe phases I'm not sure how exactly worried but you think about the 60s you think about Eddie McLean and that short period of time Mickey Lolich and then I think about in the 70s slow going but then jack morris dan petrie in terms of homegrown products if you will and then the 90s was just scattered but was there any pitcher to you that come came out as a surprise that in terms of production that kind of surprised you i, I guess the obvious story it would be mark fidrich unfortunately his career was very short but he come out of spring training making the team and wasn't even on the, the starting rotation and then he starts in may and starts the all-star team and just come out of nowhere. And, uh, and that's probably the most notable. And there's a couple other stories in there. When they trade for Doug Fister from Seattle, there was like, okay, no snake fence, no big deal. But then he caught fire. I think he was 8-1 for the remainder of the season down the stretch drive. And then the same thing going way back to 1987 when they were driving for the, the division crown when they acquired Doyle Alexander for a future Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. But there, there's some of those stories, that, and even for us old-timers, going back to 1972, they acquired Woody Fryman, a pitcher, late in the season for the stretch drive. And if you look at each of those seasons, the Tigers have had a knack for picking up key role players that they could plug in and, and help them on their drive. Yeah, there's it comes to mind, too, when I, when I think about that. I think about the Placido Polanco tra- trade because it was one of those trades that him and along with Carlos Ian are two trades that I think are almost some of the in terms of modern speaking in the last 25 years have kind of really just 
benefited the Tigers quite a bit. And, and when it initially happened, it was, who are these guys? There's some familiarity with Guillen, of course, and, and Polanco, but they end up being some of the most effective in terms of war seasons for the Tigers in, in, in Tigers history. Yeah, no, those two acquisitions, they're just, that, that's typical of a general manager at the top of his game, especially getting Carlos Guillen. He was a good player, but when he came to Detroit, he became an all-star. And, and his, his career just took off. And sometimes you just need a change of scenery and, and just new surroundings. And I think that was his case because he had, he had a lot of things going for him. A good fielder, switch hitter, just, a, you know, he, he was he was always right there supporting his teammates and the good and the bad. And he was a, a good player, good acquisition. And Polanco, I mean, that, that trade is, is one of the best in Tiger history. And this trade, and there's one other trade that I wanted to ask about because there was a player that I saw on your list that comes up and doesn't really, it's often, it depends on how much you follow the Tigers. And, and the trade that I'm referring to is Howard Johnson for Walt Terrell, which happened in the end of the 1984 season. And Howard Johnson had some pretty good effective years and he solved the Mets mystery at third base while the Tigers went through Darnell Coles. They had a couple, they just went through third base until finally, Fryman came about, but that was another trade that to me also kind of goes under the radar because he stabilized the rotation to make them competitive the rest of the decade. Yeah, yeah. and obviously they, they realized the potential of Howard Johnson, but if you're going to get someone of any value for that rotation, you're going to have to give up a, a good prospect. And that was the case, unfortunately, there is, is you're going to have to give someone up that you really maybe not prefer want, that you want to do, but in the end, uh, Walt Terrell was going to be out there every fourth day, and he's going to be counted on for seven innings. Yeah, and another question in terms of pitching, a guy I, I grew up on was Justin Verlander. Where did he rank in these lists, and where do you see him all-time ranks for Detroit Tigers pitchers? He's going to go down as one of the best in Tiger history, no doubt. And uh, when, when you look at that rotation, when you got you have him, you have Scherzer, you have Fisker, that kind of goes under the radar. Everybody looked at the top two, and uh, I guess for likely they're Cy Young Award winners. You throw in their Rick Porcello and, and some of those other ones. It just, uh, everything clicked, and, and that's when the, that uh, rotation at the time were enjoying. It, it's a pleasure to watch them games, and and uh, it's Verlander on my list, going by my most effective pitcher, uh, rating all those pitching statistics. Verlander comes out number three, Max Scherzer number two, and, and the most surprising is number one is Nook Fister, and, and that's another unsigned base. He's under the radar. He's kind of run out there as, as maybe a number three or number four starter, but you know, one of the best three or four starters in the business, just getting the job done. But And then you go through there with some that Rogelio mentioned, the Benny McQuaid, Mickey Lowich, and some of those other ones through the years. So it, it, it's tough to be in the top ten of the Tigers. Yeah, especially when you look at that 2013 team, it's one probably in terms of Rotation-wise, one of the best starting rotations of all time. And recently, Animal Sanchez just retired. And even Rourke Purcell retired this year as well. So it's fascinating to see within the last 10 years, some of the most dominant pitching in a team with a franchise history of over 100 years. Just right. We, we, we win this history. And sometimes we, we stop and don't think about that. We talk about, of course, the Miguel Cabrera triple crown season. But as far as pitching goes, I, I don't... I don't know if I'll ever see a collection of arms like that in a Tiger rotation. Hope, hopefully you see that soon, but I have never seen anything like that. 
Yeah, that was that was incredible. And it was it's good to experience that for the Tigers. And it's one of those things it doesn't come in very often. So when it does, it, it it's that pitching staff can take you a long way. And and it certainly did. And then when you throw in there J D Martinez and and Victor Martinez and Milka Cabrera, anything you can do in offense is just going to be a bonus at that point because you know they're going to hold the other team down. They're not going to give up very many runs. We're talking to Roger Yoder, and the book is called Detroit Tigers, Michigan's Favorite Sports Team. And you can find it on Amazon. You can also go over to Facebook, search for Roger Yoder, and you can order it there. And I wanted to ask you about, there was a really, in terms of, and you've done quite a bit. Um, one of the things that I saw that you want, the person you were dedicating the book to and talk about the story of Landon and, and why it was important for you to dedicate the book to him. He was a young man who died in that, excuse me, 2018. He was age of 12. He was a classmate of my daughter. And they were preparing, preparing to enter the seventh grade. And these are young kids who got their whole life ahead of them. And here he dies at the age of 12, a tremendous young man. And, and, and he was just a, a great person. And you don't think of that as a child very much. You think of adults. But this was a young kid. He'd do anything for the friends, neighbors. And, and he was a loyal friend to his classmates. And, and, and those kids now are juniors in high school. So they're finishing their junior year. He would have been senior next year. He played football, baseball, basketball. And just a great young man, and and it was, as an author, I told myself, we, we as individuals, we all believe in something or a cause, cancer society, whatever it may be. And for me, it was important to contact the family and see if I could dedicate this book in his honor. And when they were on board and we were able to do that, and I, I think every book should be dedicated, but it, you can look at your books you have around the house and about 50% of them aren't going to have a dedication. And, and that's a choice of the author. But as far as me, I'm going to always have a dedication. And, and with this book, it was the, the clear choice for me is to remember this young man. Well, thank you for sharing that story, Roger. It's very, that's, to have something that inspire you like that, it's, it's really good to share. One last question, and then we'll let you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend and, and talk about in terms of when you were. You were in the Navy, and so you saw some things. And what what my favorite thing about your bio is the fact that you did a little bit of everything, including bowling. And my favorite, it's one of those things where I look at, I look at this, he was an all, the stat here on his bio, and it's a pretty awesome bio, is the 1987 All-Navy Bowling Selection. And Roger, I know this question's a little out of left field, but I've been bowling recently, but I just want to know, what do you think the whole two-hand method in bowling right now? Is that is that something that you're... A fan of or more of the traditionalist? Professional bowling has taken a complete 180 turn from, from years ago. I'm, I joined the Professional Bowling Association in 1984, and I'm bowling with Mark Roth and Pete Weber. And, and those are names that are fading away, and, and we're, we're bowling conventionally, and we're doing things, we're cruising the ball, and we're, we're, we're doing everything you see today. But there's a different approach today, just using the thumb hole and, and things like that. And, and, and just, just things that are, well, to me, it seems impossible. I know I couldn't do it and I'm a professional, but you come to the, the junior leagues now and Saturdays and you're learning the styles and, and that's the key thing is repetition. And you learn the style that it's good for you 
you, you individually, whatever works. And, and that could be blowing a spray ball. That could be curving the ball out of the house. I, I always taxed my balls. I'd stand completely to the left and curve it out to, to like the, the five board and bring it back into the pocket. So there were a lot of balls that I couldn't use. There, there are certain balls that they just, they wouldn't be effective. And uh, they, you're asking a lot of a ball to be able to do all that. And the game has just changed so much. It just, it, it's really hard to even compare players like the old school, like the Dick Webbers of the early 60s to the 80s when I joined the professional bowler station. And then you go to today. The game has really involved, evolved through the years, like every sport does. But it's just, it's something today that it, it's a lot different. And for example, when I would bowl in a tournament, you had to be, you could hear a pin drop. It had to be completely quiet. And, and now today they got seating along the, the along the, uh, the lane for the TV show and they're yelling and they're cheering and it's just a different atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. Especially because I've been watching the, the association on the show on Fox and it's just been comparatively speaking, watching it from the ABC wild world of sports, it is two different worlds. And I was just curious because Roger, your experience, you, you've seen a lot and it's just really cool to, to have that ability to go in and, and say, look, you're, you're in three different hall of fames and you've done so much with your life. And it's, I don't know, bowling is always a f- fascinating sport to me in addition to all the other great stuff you've done. But it, I was just curious on your take on that because I, I see that there's been some kind of, you see the two hand technique and people shrug about it, but the, no, whatever works for you it works. And the book, again, like I said, it's called Detroit Tigers, Michigan's favorite sports team. You can, again, you can buy it on, you can buy it on Amazon and you can also buy it on Facebook. Roger, is there any other way you can buy the book or how do you give us a, a, all the plugs you want on how to purchase this book and, and when can people expect the Yankees book to come out? Okay, Tiger Book on Facebook, the easiest way or the most preferred for me is to go to Facebook, type in Detroit Tigers Book, and that will bring you to the Facebook page for the book. And if you work with me directly, order it for me, I can personalize it if it's for yourself or it's going to be a gift say, for Father's Day or someone else. So that way you have the personalization. You can go to Amazon and Barnes & Noble online, which a lot of people prefer, and there's usually free shipping. Uh, so you can go that route, but it wouldn't be personalized. I like to personalize the book. Some people don't want that, but if you want me to sign it or you want me to personalize it for you, utilize the option on Facebook there and, and we'll get that book out to you. It's free shipping for me as well. And uh, we'll get that out to you. Yankee book, as you can imagine, the Tigers had the four, four World, World Series championships. And when I got into the Yankees, you're talking being being to the World Series 40 times, that's an average of every three years. And that's something that's hard to comprehend. So their history is, is quite, quite interesting. And that book, I'm hoping to include this year's statistics. So when this season is over, I'm hoping to have that book published in early October. And like I said, if we'll put every, we'll put the Facebook link, we'll put that on there and we'll have everything in terms of where you can find the book. Roger, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. And this is a, for anybody who really, my, myself, who loves stats, who are interested in Tiger's history, and you're looking for a fresh perspective versus just going to baseball reference, and you're looking at just trying to, he made it easy for you. He put it all in one book, so you don't have to sort through anything. You just have to open up the book, read the chapters, and then if you want to highlight them, by all means, just take the highlighter, 
to certain parts. But again, thank you, Roger, for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, again, ha- thank you for your service. And hopefully you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And have a good weekend yourself. Thank you.